0: This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Like all public radio stations, WDFH depends on financial support from our listeners. Please visit WDFH.org and click on Donate to make your tax-deductible gift. Shows like this can't be done without your support. Thanks, and now, Outcasting.
1: You know how how young guys talk, so sitting around the fire or... Sitting in the dorms, you're in the cabin or or something like that, and someone starts talking about who's dating who. It was extremely awkward, and I could have said I was gay, but that really wasn't much of an option at the point.
2: This is Outcasting, the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles and triumphs. Outcasting is a production of Westchester Public Radio, WDFH FM 90.3 in Austin, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org. Hi, I'm Nicole. On this edition of Outcasting, we take an in-depth look at the Boy Scouts of America's ban on gay scouts and their vote in May 2013 to partially lift the ban. According to the Boy Scouts of America, the change which will go into effect on January 1, 2014, will remove the restriction that denies membership to youth members on the basis of sexual orientation alone. The current policy that prohibits gay adults from being adult leaders still stands. The ban, its effects, and the partial lifting are all more complicated than they seem. On this edition of Outcasting, we'll explore some of those complexities. Michael is a gay Eagle Scout, currently still in Scouting and closeted in that part of his life. Scouting is in Michael's family and has played an important role in his development.
1: My older brother joined Scouting, uh, I think, two years before I did. So uh, I right away jumped in and got involved. My dad was actually my den leader. He's still involved. He's our troop Committee member, and now my little brother's involved too. My mom drove us to events uh, and and brought food to the potlucks, went along on camping trips, so it really was a complete family thing. It it was and it still is.
2: It's a normal and natural thing to talk with your friends about your social life, your weekend plans, and things like that. Everybody does that. But what if you can't? Being in the closet turns those everyday conversations into minefields. Michael told us that having to lie to his fellow scouts about an important part of himself took a toll on him over time.
1: for a while, I tried to shrug them off by really just not answering at all but uh I mean, after a while you clearly you can't keep doing that because it's the same as just saying you're gay it's you're you're really attracting attention and the first time I explicitly remember lying or making up a story, I was talking to a leader who's a very close friend. He's a good mentor to me, and he saw on Facebook that I had changed my relationship status to, you know, in a relationship. And so he was he was asking me who you're dating, who you're dating, and I kept shrugging. him off and saying no, 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 it's not important. And he kept pushing me and pushing me, and finally I just blurted out, oh, I don't even remember what the name was, some random female name, and it was a mix of relief that I could finally had something to say, but at the same time, the bitterness and the almost self, I mean, you 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 get angry at yourself a little bit because you know you're really violating. It's a principle that scouting teaches you, but I mean, even as yourself, you don't want to lie. I mean, that's, that's not what people are about. And, and that just continued time after time, after time. And, uh, over time, the worst part about it is that you stop feeling that terrible feeling. That lying becomes almost second nature to you about this issue. And that's something you never want to experience. You never want lying to become, you know, habitualized. That's that's terrible.
2: According to people we spoke with, the Boy Scouts gay ban is a relatively new development. Mark Noel is a co-founder of the Inclusive Scouting Network, a group working to remove the ban.
0: The of that uh, goes back to 1978 when two explorers were kicked out for being gay. In 1978, this was nine years after Stonewall, the gay rights movement was still in its infancy. And they'd never dealt with this before. And so they sort of came up with this ad hoc policy that gay people seemed like somebody that they didn't want to have in the program. So they kicked these two kids out an internal policy that gay people weren't allowed in scouting because it violated the part of the scout oath to be morally straight and the scout law uh, to be clean in thought, word and deed. But they didn't promulgate this policy. They didn't publicize it until they started kicking some other people out. And I think that started with Tim Curran in 1981.
2: Zach Walls is the executive director of Scouts for Equality. We asked him whether morally straight, in this context, means heterosexual.
0: Well, not really. Morally straight means honest. It means like being a straight shooter, you know, somebody you can make a deal with. Uh, and so when they try to say, you know, the, the band is what's keeping us morally straight, well, the ban is what's keeping people in the closet, and it's what's keeping them from telling the truth.
2: The controversy over the ban hit a legal high, or perhaps low point, in 2000 in the case of the Boy Scouts of America versus James Dale. According to his lawyer, James Dale had spent more than half his life in scouting, eventually earning his Eagle Scout rank. He was literally a poster boy for scouting. The Scouts used him in an advertising campaign. Then they asked him to become a youth leader. And then...
3: He was in school at Rutgers, and while in school, he attended a seminar on the needs of gay youth and the importance of speaking out on behalf of gay youth.
2: Evan Wolfson is the civil rights attorney who represented James Dale and argued the case in the New Jersey courts and before the U.S. Supreme Court.
3: His picture was taken at that uh, seminar, you know, not in a scout uniform, not having anything to do with scouting, but somebody must have seen that picture in the paper, wrote a letter, or somehow contacted his uh, scouting troop, which then, under this discriminatory policy, sent him a letter after, again, more than half his life with the scouts, Just a letter kicking him out of the organization.
2: After being ejected from scouting, James Dale contacted Evan Wolfson, who was then an attorney with the Lambda Legal Defense and Education Fund, a nonprofit organization in New York City that uses the legal system to fight for LGBT rights. Working along with another law firm, Wolfson brought a lawsuit against the scouts. The case proceeded through the state court system and eventually wound up before the New Jersey Supreme Court, which ruled unanimously in James Dale's favor.
3: Scouts then appealed that ruling to the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court in 2000 heard the case and ultimately by a vote of 5-4 reversed the unanimous ruling of the New Jersey Supreme Court and said that while discrimination may not be right, the Boy Scouts hierarchy does have a right to discriminate. The Boy Scouts invoked the First Amendment in an attempt to shield themselves from having to follow the non-discrimination law. I think the Supreme Court decision 5-4 to four was wrong, and the New Jersey unanimous ruling in favor of the New Jersey civil rights law was correct. When we say there's a First Amendment right of free speech for organizations, I very much believe in that. But what's, what's clear in the case law is that that right belongs to the members, not to some bureaucrats in a central office who impose a policy of discrimination, and not even to an unelected board. It belongs to the members who've come together in an organization to do something and express something. The members of Boy Scouts never voted for discrimination. It was never made known to them that that's why they were supposedly joining this organization. It's not in any of the literature. It's not in the Scout It's not apparently connected to the core purposes that are worthwhile. And so I think the First Amendment is rightly there to protect organizations uh, against government interference, but being used as a shield against a non-discrimination law just because some folks on the board or some factions within an organization want to impose discrimination on everyone else is an abuse of the First Amendment and is wrong. And the Supreme Court's ruling was incorrect. It's almost never been cited since. It's not really a workable legal standard. And the dissent, the four justices, had it right. And I think if the case were to come up today, the court might get to a much better place.
2: Civil Rights Attorney Evan Wolfson. We're not aware of any other pending cases challenging the ban, so for now at least, the Supreme Court ruling that the Boy Scouts have a legal right to discriminate still holds. But having the legal right to discriminate doesn't make discrimination the morally right thing to do. And legal challenges are not the only way to bring about change. Several groups are working to end the ban through other channels. Mark Noel is a gay Eagle Scout who was ejected just two weeks after the Supreme Court decided the James Dale case he went on to co-found the Inclusive Scouting Network, an organization that is working to end the ban.
0: It started as, as several smaller regional groups right after the Supreme Court decision in 2000. And a friend of mine in New York, uh, well, he wasn't a friend of mine at the time, I didn't know him, uh, but he was kicked out at about the same time, and it happened uh, in several different places around the country at about the same time.
2: Zach Walls is another Eagle Scout. He first gained national attention in 2011, when, as the 19-year-old son of a same-sex couple, he testified in support of marriage equality before the Iowa House Judiciary Committee, and his testimony went viral. Since then, he's become the executive director of Scouts for Equality, another group fighting the ban. The organization has worked to point out that the ban violates anti-discrimination policies of companies that have supported scouting, including UPS, Intel, Merck, AT&T, and Verizon. But, he says, evolving attitudes at the grassroots level and declining membership in scouting are playing a big role.
0: The pressure only exists because there has been a change in the moral values and how we perceive the morality of gay people in this country. At uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago, people had a very different view about the morality of homosexuality. And Today, we live in a time when we understand that gay people are our friends, coworkers, uh, fellow parishioners, our fellow scouters that there is nothing immoral about who they are. And so the practical implication of that moral realization is that people have been walking away from the scouting program. Mark Noel, They polled uh, recently their, their scouts, you know, the teenagers. It was something like 91% said that the policy should go, period. I mean, that's, that's almost within margin of error of unanimous that, that, they, that the young people in the program think that this has to change. So they look at their dropping membership numbers, they look at the demographic data, and they can see the writing on the wall. Something's going to have to be done, or they're going to be irrelevant. American society is going to move on and leave them behind.
2: The Boy Scouts of America, or BSA, the national organization that oversees boy scouting in the United States, declined to be interviewed for this program. But on May 23, 2013, 60% of the BSA National Council voted to lift the ban as it pertains to youth members. If you look carefully at the action taken by the Boy Scouts, some interesting issues appear. One is that youth scouting participants will not be denied membership on the basis of sexual orientation alone. How might this play out? Mark Knoll of the Inclusive Scouting Network.
0: Alone is a troubling word here, because in the past, the scouts have said that gay behavior is almost anything. Saying that you're gay is gay behavior. So what happens if somebody takes a same-sex date to the prom? What if they're a member of a troop that's sponsored by, say, a Southern Baptist church? Well, the church could say, it's not just that you're gay, but you're engaging in gay behavior because you took another boy to the prom or went out on a date or said something publicly to the school newspaper about gay rights. So now we're kicking you out for being an activist, not just because you're being gay or we're kicking you out for engaging in behavior that's contrary to church teachings, which means that you're not following duty to God as we understand it, not just because you're gay.
2: Another issue is that when the change goes into effect, it will lift the ban on youth scouting members, but not adult leaders. It's not hard to imagine that the message being sent to gay scouts is very troubling, especially those whose lives revolve around their involvement in the scouts. Again, Mark Noel.
0: It's saying that gay People can't be adult members or leaders, no matter what. So we'll keep the kids in the program, but you can't be a leader. The implication there is that the gay people can't be role models. So we'll let the gay kids stay in the program, but there's only one good way to grow up, and that's to grow up to be straight. And if you turn 18 and you still say you're gay, you fail, you're out. The problem with that, of course, is that that renders a policy completely incoherent. They've said in court and maintained that their position on homosexuality is because it was immoral. Well, is it immoral to be gay as a kid, and then when you turn 18, you know it, it all magically changes? Another possible explanation, though, is that they don't really trust gay kids when they say that they're gay. And so what they're doing is is they're discounting the experience of LGBT youth by just saying, well, we're going to give you a pass on this until you're old enough to know better. Another explanation could be that this is something that the more conservative religious groups want because it's actually a way to keep gay kids in the program in a way that allows them to bring some pressure to bear, some misguided pressure, Bear on these kids to change or face consequences.
2: So, aside from the implicit pressure to try to turn gay scouts straight, or at least to try to suppress their gayness, which in the long run, of course, is not really possible, what's the concern here? When the measure goes into effect, it will be okay for gay scouts to be involved with scouting, as long as they aren't seen in public with a same sex date, or post on Facebook they're in a same sex relationship, or engage in any LGBT rights activism outside of scouting any of which could be seen as gay behavior. But gay adults will be excluded if their sexual orientation becomes known. One theory is a fear that gay adults might sexually abuse boys involved with scouting. This may be a holdover from decades ago when, in some people's minds, homosexuality was linked to pedophilia. But as more and more has become known about sexual orientation, this theory has been debunked, and actual evidence shows that gay adults are no more likely to abuse children than straight adults. So is the BSA citing this as a justification to continue the policy excluding gay adults? Not exactly, says Mark Noah.
0: That's actually part of the the shameful way that the BSA handles this, is they, they have maintained since the 1980s that it's not anything to do with sexual abuse. But the popular conception of gay men as potential predators is one that, causes public opinion to support the ban. And therefore, it doesn't really get rebutted much. The, the BSA will concede it in court, and they'll concede it in other documents. In fact, the, their latest study had f- four independent experts who agreed to the same finding that the BSA found when it first did its big youth protection studies in the 1980s, which is that gay men don't pose any, any more of a threat uh, to, to the youth in the program than any other group. But it's convenient because as long as the public still thinks in that frame, they still support the ban on gay leaders. And so the BSA leadership is often given a nod to that even though they don't acknowledge it and if pressed will actually confess that there is no scientific or medical evidence that that's true and that that's not the actual basis for their ban
2: the Boy Scouts of America already has policies in place to prevent abuse. According to the BSA website, the organization works closely with local chartered organizations, the sponsors of local troops, to conduct background checks and ongoing youth protection training. There are policies prohibiting one-on-one contact between adults and Scouts and requiring at least two adults on outings. So what kind of message is this mixed policy sending to young people involved with Scouting?
3: When gay kids are being told that they need to hide who they are in order to remain in an organization they might have grown up in, that they might be very invested in, that many of their friends may be involved in. It's sending a very confusing and damaging message uh, that, number one, they're not good enough, there's something wrong with them, they should be shunned, they should feel bad about themselves, and number two, that the values that they have been taught to affirm, such as honesty, integrity, and standing up for others, and standing up for yourself, uh, really have to be ignored in a very hypocritical way. And that's a, that is also a very damaging message to teach young people.
1: That's one of the most awkward experiences of my life to this day. You know how, how young guys talk. So sitting around the fire, or sitting in the dorms, you know, in the cabin, or, or something like that, and someone starts talking about who's dating who. It was extremely awkward, and, and uh, I kind of summed it up by saying I have three options here. I can just completely lie and say, yeah, she's hot, or something along the lines of that. Or I can kind of dismissive and not really say anything either way. And then, of course, obviously I could have said I was gay, but that really wasn't much of an option at the point. I was always nervous that I was going to be kicked out. I didn't feel that it was
3: wrong to be gay. I didn't feel that... I was doing something wrong. I just felt that um, in this context and in this in this organization that it wasn't allowed. It did kind of hinder my relationships with other boys. And I think that, um, that it made me kind of always nervous about it and didn't want to reveal things about myself so that I wasn't found out. And I think that did um,
1: isolate me and make me feel not as connected. I went on a canoeing trip once. And by the second night, they had picked out one of us who they thought was gay, and they, they would make jokes about him, and they'd come over to me and say, hey, do you see the kid over there? He's He's totally gay. So ironically, they never brought anything up about me.
3: To have that youth organization saying... Some kids are inferior to others. There's something wrong with you. You're worthy of being shunned. You're worthy of being excluded. Is sending exactly the wrong message, both to the gay kids who are vulnerable and to non-gay kids who are being taught a very bad lesson in uh, how to treat others.
1: It's a story I just actually received from a, a, another gay scout I know. I had a very supportive family and uh, pretty supportive friends. He didn't. He had a far harder situation than I did. And he basically explained that after being bullied throughout middle school, he was also more uh, perceived to be more gay uh, and therefore bullied for it uh, quite a bit more than I was. So when he got into scouting, it was kind of his safe haven. And then he found out that, you know, the, the scouting had this policy of discrimination and uh, really set him into a deep period of depression. And uh, it ended with him trying to overdose on sleeping pills, which, thank God, were not actually deadly. Um, He just got pretty violently sick.
2: The Girl Scouts of the USA does not discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. In a notable recent case, the Colorado Girl Scouts admitted a transgender girl. Michelle Tompkins is the media manager for the National Girl Scouts Organization.
1: Our history of diversity and inclusion goes all the way back to uh, 1912. Uh, We've always been open to all people. There just has never been any kind of exclusionary practices in Girl Scouting at all. Nationally, we've been inclusive to everyone. I mean, as far as Girl Scouting is concerned, if you're a girl and you want to live by the Girl Scout promise and law, you're welcome. And then if you're an adult, either male or female, you want to live by the Girl Scout promise and law, we want you to. Uh, there just there just never has been any kind of exclusionary practices. So it's it's just part of us.
2: Evan Wilson.
3: When we were litigating in the Supreme Court in 2000, we, we used the example of the Girl Scouts and all the other major national youth organizations, the 4-H Club, the Boys and Girls Clubs, the Campfire Boys and Girls. All of these organizations serve youth and don't discriminate and had no problem. So... The Girl Scouts has always been a good example of the right path to go. For that matter, the Boy Scouts in Canada don't discriminate. The Boy Scouts in Britain, where scouting was born, don't discriminate. It's only this Boy Scouts of America hierarchy that have imposed this policy on the membership, changing the organization's purposes from what most people believed it to be to what they had their own agenda to want it
2: to be. So if non-discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation is working fine for the Girl Scouts and these other organizations, why does the BSA still discriminate? A clear majority of Americans now support marriage equality. This shows that as more and more people come to know more about sexual orientation and find out that some of their friends, co-workers, and even family members are gay, lesbian, bisexual, or trans, people are realizing that anti-LGBT discrimination is morally wrong. So why did the BSA hierarchy take only a partial step instead of completely lifting the ban and issuing a clear statement of principle that discrimination is just plain wrong, including discrimination based on sexual orientation? Mark Noel.
0: The BSA has always been more religious to begin with. But after the Supreme Court decision in 2000, a lot of chartered organizations were groups like PTAs or public schools. And when the scouts went on the record in court and said that discrimination is a core value of scouting, the next day the lawyers for all these school districts looked at the decision and told their groups, hey, we're a government organization. We can't charter these troops. We can't sponsor these. So they all told the scout units that they had to find another sponsor. And the only people who could take a lot of these sponsors in, were churches. So you went from a situation uh, before 2000 where most of the chartered organizations were not religious to today where 70% of them are conservative religious organizations.
2: So is the change that was approved on May 23rd a meaningful change? David is a Life Scout currently working on his Eagle Scout ranking.
3: A lot of people are willing to support Any step closer to full inclusion, even if we have to take baby steps, we want to incrementally get there. As long as we get to full inclusion, eventually that is the goal.
2: There's no doubt that this was a potentially significant step in the right direction and something to be encouraged. But will it really protect gay scouts? Mark Noel.
0: It's phrased in a way that sounds like it's a blanket policy at first glance. But because of those key words that they've stuck in there, they've essentially phrased it in such a way that it gives individual units an awful lot of leeway in figuring out how to actually enforce it. So in practice, what they're offering up is a local option, is something where some units will be able to to crack down really hard on any openly gay kids. So it's not a very strong policy. It's one that they would like to bill as a blanket non-discrimination policy for for youth, but the way they've done it is is that they've built in a a bunch of really big loopholes for them to work with.
2: As we mentioned earlier, the Boy Scouts of America declined to be interviewed for this program. In addition, on my honor, a group that was organized to keep the gay ban in place did not respond to our email and telephone requests for an interview. The current and former scouts we talked with spoke in glowing terms about the benefits of scouting. Kristoff left scouting after attaining the rank of Eagle Scout.
3: People really have to look at the Boy Scouts as a whole and really see that it's a really amazing program, and I think I learned a lot from it, and I think a lot of other youth have learned a lot and matured, and I don't think I would have gotten a lot of the leadership skills anywhere else.
2: Mark Noel says that there are a lot of people who love the scouting program without loving the Boy Scouts of America, the company that administers the scouting movement in the U.S. He says that the program develops character and citizenship and gives people a chance to lead and follow. Zach Walls called scouting fantastic and a critical part of his development. But clearly, the BSA's attitude toward gay people, which is at best mixed, takes its toll. Michael says...
1: Being honest especially with your fellow scouts and your leaders i mean that's key and there's not many ways to get through 13 years of scouting without lying about being gay it goes from everything to talking about uh, if someone asks about a date or talking about where you were last weekend they ask i mean what do you what do you say you brush them off you make up a story uh, it's it's very difficult and And uh, being forced to lie like that repeatedly, it it takes a toll on you over over time, totally and completely.
2: That's it for this edition of Outcasting, the lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run public radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles and triumphs, where you don't have to be queer to be here. We want to thank the people who shared their thoughts on this issue. Evan Wolfson, the attorney who represented James Dale... Mark Knoll, an Eagle Scout who was ejected from the Scouts for being gay in 2000 and then co-founded the Inclusive Scouting Network, Zach Walls, an Eagle Scout and the Executive Director of Scouts for Equality, Michelle Tompkins, the Media Manager for the Girl Scouts of the USA, David, a Life Scout who is working on his Eagle Scout ranking, Kristoff, who left Scouting after attaining the rank of Eagle Scout, and Michael, an Eagle Scout who is still active in Scouting. These people showed great generosity in providing factual and historical information about the ban, and especially in sharing their personal thoughts and experiences. Links to the organizations we've mentioned in this program are available by visiting WDFH.org and clicking on Outcasting. Outcasting is a production of Westchester Public Radio, WDFHFM 90.3, Austin, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org. The Outcasting team includes youth participants Lester, Chris, Josh, George, Maddie, Sydney, Travis, and me, Nicole. Our executive producer is Mark Sophus. For more information on this program and a list of resources, visit us at WDFH.org and click on Outcasting. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again next time.
0: If you enjoyed this program, please make a tax-deductible gift to WDFH. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit WDFH.org and click on Donate. Thanks.